0: Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21+. plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
1: Welcome back to the show everybody you are watching and or listening to the belly up fantasy live football show uh beside me are dan mater and chris dowhauer we also have justin ferrera will be joining the show permanently which we are very excited about he is an up-and-coming writer uh now podcaster we have here at belly up how's it going guys
2: i am i'm, in, I'm devastated that? over here what why
1: why are we devastated
2: See. Tim Tebow got cut. I mean, I, I don't understand.
3: Wait, hold on. Who could have expected this? the <laughs> I mean... drop for it? Where's the drop for it? There it is. <laughs> Hallelujah. <Go ahead.
2: laughs> it is, it's sad. I mean, there's always basketball, I guess. So maybe he'll be back in summer league or something. Who knows? Oh, the last
3: sport he hasn't tried, right? Oh. Yeah. yeah, basically.
4: Yeah. That and soccer, right? <laughs> there you go. Yeah.
1: I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, so we'll have to figure out where Tim Tebow's going next. Um, yeah, Please, Justin your Brady. God,
3: no. Don't even put that in the universe.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Destroyed my draft board, that's all.
1: Yeah. The the tight end back to Brevin Jordan. is now out of the league.
4: <laughs> I heard Denver needs a quarterback. <laughs> there you go.
1: Oh, <laughs> Part, <no>. two. <laughs> Part two. Part <laughs> two. Bring back the Marius Thomas while we're at it
0: Oh, shoot.
1: (laughs) All right, guys. Um, So today we are doing a redraft mock draft, um, which is going to be super fun. It's that time of year. Uh, You know, we're starting the the redraft drafts. Um, At least I have in a lot of my home leagues and a lot of the leagues I'm joining for money and all that stuff. Have you guys done any of your your real drafts yet?
3: (laughs) I have done more than I can count.
2: I try to refrain from doing my drafts yet, yeah, Adam. I like to wait to beginning at least the you know week three, week four preseason. Uh, there's too many guys that can get injured, screws up your board too much for me to try to get in too early.
1: Yeah, uh, I can see that. I'm uh, I'm starting my rankings right now, and there's been a couple times where I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to do stuff. And Dan, I know you've definitely gone through this since you're finished with yours, but. <laughs> Like I don't think this guy will be on the roster, but the math says that he should have twenty targets. So I don't do I redistribute those, <laughs> guessing that he's gone. I don't know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> those go to the abyss. I mean, it is, look, you never actually done your rankings. You get your first done, and then you tweak yeah. all along the way. I am trying to wait until the second week of preseason before I tweak mine. Uh, just because there's a lot of things that we did see in first week of preseason, but there's a lot of things we haven't seen yet. I want to see if they actually come to fruition uh, Mm -hmm. before I actually start tweaking everything. But there are already guys I had in the back of my head are going to be rising and falling after this weekend.
1: Yeah. Well, so, yeah, let's jump into that before we uh, get the uh, mock draft going. What would you guys think of some of the rookie quarterbacks playing? Justin Fields had a really good day. Um, Mac Jones played well. According to a lot of people, Trey Lance did, but outside of one (laughs) really good play, which I'll give him, outside of one really good play, I mean, he was what five of fourteen? Is that correct? Yes. Um, Yeah. yeah, So not almost two (laughs) interceptions. Um,
3: I'll say this: he had four drops. I'll give him the four drops.
4: And they were right on the hands too. So I, you know, you gotta you gotta reel those in if you're Richie James, Brandon Ayuk, and River Craycraft. (laughs)
2: Are we talking about the cornerbacks who were supposed to intercept those balls, Dan? Or do you mean the receiver drops?
3: <laughs> valid. Very valid. He oh, threw more to the sideline than the cornerbacks. <laughs> well, you know what pain me, too? And, and actually, no one really knows this about me. I don't get very personal, especially on, not on the MBS Fantasy Football Show on Thursday and Fridays. But I knew this, but it wasn't until I saw him on the field that it registered my brain. When I was growing up as a kid, my favorite number was five. So now I'm going to have to have my favorite number ruined by the fact that Trey Lance is going to be wearing a number five on my favorite team, and I don't want him. I don't want you. I don't want you, Trey. But I know I'm in the minority on that, but it's okay.
2: Yeah, It's just a, yeah. a symbol of five years. You have to wait to get on our draft pick. Pretty
1: much. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, Jordan Love. Jordan Love played pretty solid. I know he's not uh, immediately fantasy uh, noteworthy, but for, for my dynasty guys who I, I try to look out for. Next year? Know, he, yeah. Next year or – Probably not much. Same Ellinger. But... Sam Ellinger
4: back and Tony East. Yeah. <laughs> man. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> well, okay. I just want to say about
3: Jordan Love real quick. Out
4: for a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right?
3: I just say Jordan Love real quick, though. Uh, do we know for sure he can handle it? Because he made, like, two good throws, and he hurt his shoulder, apparently, and couldn't practice the next day. So where are we at on that? <laughs> yeah. It's
2: um, <laughs> like George to go out on top. <laughs>
3: I got two highlights. That's it. I'm done. That's it. I'm no. done. I'm out of here.
4: <laughs> Take me out. The rest out, Coach. of his career is just myth and legend. <laughs> what could have been?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so but what if
4: <laughs> the story of Jordan Love. 30 30. Yeah,
1: yeah, but it was nice seeing a lot of guys getting their their first action. Um, because I, I guess with Jordan Love and Jacob Eason, they didn't really we didn't really get to see them throw any NFL passes last year, uh, despite them you know having been in the league for a little bit. Um, yeah, is there anything else preseason takeaways you guys want to mention?
4: I got a question for you guys. Yeah, what do you think is the most Week One ready, Mac Jones? Trey Lance, obviously I know that one's not the one for you guys. <laughs> or Justin Fields. Who do you who would you take over their veteran counterpart right now?
3: If I'm taking him uh, over the veteran counterpart, part, it would be Justin Fields. Yeah, who I think is I the most say. who do I think is the most NFL ready? Probably Mac Jones. But yeah, I, I don't know. And I, I maybe Mag Nagy saw this too, because he came out right away and said, you know what, Fields gonna get a little more play with Allen Robinson and <laughs> the ones, but uh it's abundantly obvious who the best quarterback in Chicago is.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think the that. gap is biggest uh, in Chicago, but Max Jones is just very, very pro-ready. Uh, I mean, good timing, good accuracy. May not ever be like that wow factor quarterback, but he's clean.
4: <laughs> so I think he actually made the best throw of the entire preseason for the rookies so far with that one to Christian Wilkinson because that was just so perfectly placed. I mean, it was literally where the cornerback – could not reach it with an extended hand and just Christian's hands of Stone Wilkinson could not pull it in. <laughs> but um, I mean, other than that, yeah, I agree with you guys. I think field is going to be the most bang for your buck over Andy Dalton. And Mac Jones is a hundred percent, the most comfortable in his offense right now. Most ready.
3: Agreed, agreed. I'll throw this out there, even though I plan on going on a, a, a tirade about it on our show, Chris, <laughs> on Friday at the MD Sanders football show, um, but what did you guys think about Miles Gaskin playing behind Malcolm Brown emerging from week one of preseason with the coaching staff talking about a three-man committee? Chris, so we too. And I bring it up because Chris, we just had we had our bus five, sleeper five, you know, best five running backs. We talked about Miles Gaskin being in our top five busts, uh, for this reason. So I want to see what Adam yeah. and Justin
1: think. I I mentioned uh I forget which show, but at some point I did say that hey. I didn't think it was going to be a full-on committee, but I was like, Malcolm Brown will end up being the one that steals the touchdowns regardless of if he gets a ton of carries. I, you know, always in the back of my mind, it was Ahmed's going to be rotating in and Malcolm Brown's going to be that goal line, that, um, you know, third and one type of back. And even if uh, Gaskin got the bulk of the carries, I wasn't that sold that he'd get the valuable touches, if that makes sense for fantasy.
4: Yeah, I can agree with that point. I think that Malcolm Brown is definitely I, – I have him going like Mark Ingram and kind of having just like a full touchdown. Actually, you know what? Lendell White is probably the better comparison. He's just going to go 14 touchdowns, like 500 yards, going <laughs> to really contribute nothing but goal line presence. But I think it's going to take away from Miles Gaskins' um, fantasy outlook for sure. But I'm still going to buy into him if he's like there at a running back four. I, I don't know about you guys, but I still see value in Gaskin. He has big playability. He has good speed, you know, good burst through the hole, and he hasn't been hurt that much. So, I don't know. I still buy into it. I just would not buy into it as, like, you know, round six player. That's for sure, where he is, like, right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think what we'll hopefully exemplify here once we get this draft started, um, you know, anyone's value if they fall fall far enough. Yeah,
3: absolutely. <laughs> Except for Tim Tebow, <laughs> how annoying is Malcolm you're Brown? You're annoyed with Malcolm Brown. So
2: how annoying is Malcolm Brown? Last oh, year man. we had to sit there and watch Cam Akers be wasted. And Henderson basically split into a, a trio. Now Malcolm Brown's going to row in Miami situation where we had you know a running back we thought, and this guy's not that good. I mean I don't even know how he's actually in the pros <laughs> to be honest. Um, and you're talking about comparisons. I'm gonna go with Jordan Howard. On the Dolphins, where we've watched him basically for the first three, four weeks just stumble into the end zone. That's all he could possibly do and average by a yard per carry. I think Malcolm Brown had nine carries for eight yards. Yeah. So Expecting a lot from him this year.
3: Fantasy killer. <laughs>
2: <What>? <laughs> he is. He's like that Mike Tolbert. You're like,
0: doll,
1: get him out of the game. He's <laughs> the Mike right. Tolbert of my life. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. I'd say with that, it's time to. Uh ahead and get into the mock draft so let me go ahead and get this started
2: and then you will be up first so you know, the computer my, it is mock draft
1: season adam yes absolutely is mock draft. well
3: it's on my screen why is it not on yours
1: um yeah
4: it's on mine too
3: well, first up, I get we had. Uh, I'm at pick four. It looks like so I get to pick in front of the whole bunch and Alvin Kamar, Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb. That's the highest I've seen Nick Chubb come off the board at pick number two, guys. Uh, Dalvin Cooks so now. I'm up on the board, but uh, what do you guys think about Nick Chubb going number two there, team two in the computer wild card? And it just kind of kicked me. I just I had the fourth pick and I just got Christian McCaffrey to fall into my lap. So how does the computer
2: realize it's half point PPR? <laughs> <laughs>
3: No, it's a touchdown only league. That. That's <laughs> oh. it must,
2: be the, must be the issue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean Nick Chubb to me is one of the best running backs in fan or in, in the NFL, but it's just as a fantasy football guy, it's can't have him there.
3: <laughs> He's Derrick Henry light. He's not Derrick Henry. So yeah, that was that was kind of weird. But uh yeah, yeah guys, I'm gonna win this draft because Christian McCaffrey fell to me in the fourth pick. So it's over. Yeah, I guys. mean, how lucky can you be? <laughs> I, mean, I was expecting Thank you to know, like, oh I was going to go on a whole diatribe of like, oh, I could go Zeke or Alva Kamara here and debate that. And it's like, no, 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 (laughs) Chris McCaffrey. I
0: don't think that's going to happen in your guys' home drafts. I'm going to put that out there.
1: Well, <laughs> it might.
4: Unless somebody's on auto-draft.
1: Watch yeah. even dead
4: on auto-draft. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty straightforward, right? Yeah. Well, uh, the
3: computer's supposed to be on auto-draft here.
1: <laughs> so so speaking of Derrick Henry-Light, Derrick Henry goes after Christian McCaffrey. And then uh, with Chris, we get Ezekiel Elliott, as, uh, as Dan alluded to. So uh, we already know why you picked CMC at fourth. We don't really need to go into that. But Chris, explain uh, Elliott at, at six here.
2: Yeah, Dan and I were talking on our show the other day about just, you know, how we under people are kind of underestimating Ezekiel Elliott's contributions to the Dallas Cowboys, one of the best offenses, healthy offensive line. Zeke's in shape. He's not like a fat troll like he was last year. So all those different things I think add up for a big season from him. He might never get the three hundred touches again, but I think between being utilized in the passing game and utilizing the red zone, I expect Zeke to have a big season and I think he's got a great floor.
3: I mean, I think he's going to get 300 touches total this, this year oh, yeah, for sure.
2: 17, yeah, 17 yeah. games also helps.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So after him, uh, the computer goes ahead, grabs Saquon Barkley. And um, and I'll explain this a little bit further here in a second. But to me, that's where the running back tier kind of breaks off. Um, so Tyreek Hill goes next uh, to the computer. And then I went with Kelsey. Um, so what? where – The value of tight ends. Yeah. So for me, it's – once that first running back tier is gone, I want I want Kelsey, um, just because the drop off between a the at three or four really good tight ends and after that is just too much. Um, I'd rather guarantee myself really good production at that position, and um, you know I still think that there is RB ones available hopefully at this next pick, and you know wide receivers incredibly deep. Um, after me. Jonathan Taylor gets picked up as a Colts fan. Hurts that he didn't fall to me, but I'll accept it. Devonte Adams, hmm. stud, um, goes to goes eleven, and and then Justin, we get Aaron Jones and Najee Harris off the board.
4: Yeah, I went with uh, purely with workload. I mean, Aaron Jones being there, I know he's got a hamstring issue right now, but I don't think it's going to be an issue going into the he's season. He's back to
3: practice now, so
4: yeah, he, he just returned to practice, so. I don't think it's going to be an issue going into the season. And then Najee Harris, I mean, just the workload that he's going to get. I mean, just from what we've seen in preseason, it's very hopeful that he's going to have a pretty dang good season. So I just went for it on those two.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, you I can't get more solid than than those two, frankly. you're yeah. Like you said, you're going great to have force. the workload, going to have the, the touchdowns, feelings. great volume. I mean, there's not much more to go with there. Uh, so, yeah. No, Aaron Rodgers
4: is back, too. That was, yeah. that was one thing that was really holding Aaron Jones' value back, right? Is Aaron Rodgers going to be there or not? I mean, the I think Jordan Love would have still given him his touches, but Aaron Rodgers for sure solidifies elite touches for Aaron Jones. So, yeah. 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 Green, um, Green Bay goes scoring 17 to 30 real quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
1: After Justin's picks, Austin Eckler goes off the board. Um, you know, really good PPR back, this half-point PPR, which knocks him a little bit, but not not too, too much. Um, we are kind of experiencing, I don't want to say a run on receivers, but receivers are, are definitely going off the board a little bit more frequently, at least, at least this top tier with Stephon Diggs, and then uh, two picks later, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, for me, I picked Antonio Gibson um, here at, at uh, the fourth pick of the second round. I was going back and forth between him and Hopkins. Um, I wanted to solidify that running back position, which drops off a lot harder than the receiver position does. Uh, so I, I just – I don't want to force a pick, but I did like Gibson a lot here. Uh, he, at, he was a top 12 running back without him really breaking out as a receiver yet. Obviously, he played receiver at Memphis, so he has the potential, I think, to break out in that capacity. He's uh, He's explosive high potential player of uh, someone that, you know, the coaching staff seems to rave about. I really like him. He's physically gifted. Uh, I, I think, and we've talked about this on the show a bunch of times, but I, he's developing and Pro away from being a top tier uh, fantasy running back.
2: Well, they say him going they play the Christian McCaffrey role this year. So, I mean, he's got a great, great opportunity with that.
3: Yeah, that was Kyle Allen talking about that, which I'm like, what's the third string quarterback doing, talking about what they're going to be doing for the season. That doesn't make any I sense, know. but because you're going to
2: get cut. So the- thank you for the inside information. Kyle, <laughs> yeah, <exactly. Appreciate
4: laughs>
3: any team that signs Kyle. me, I'll give you any tidbit on the inside of Washington that you possibly want. So New York, Philadelphia, somebody, somebody <laughs> signed me. That's pretty much what that was.
1: <laughs> yeah. So so after that, like I said, DeAndre Hopkins went next. Um, crazy volume of the receiver position. Uh, I just, I'm doing my rankings alphabetically, so I've done the Cardinals. I like where he's at. Uh, Joe Mixon, he was another guy I was kind of considering. He's really talented, and I think he did get good volume in Cincinnati. What scares me with him is just the injury history, and I imagine that's probably what a lot of you guys are thinking as well. Um, And then Chris, we get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I know you've had a, a relationship with him for a while, so explain that.
2: Well, I mean, first of all, I definitely was interested in Joe Mixon. That was who I was kind of banking on following to me. The computer kind of jumped, jumped me on that one. Um, Edward Soler, to me, while I wouldn't have preferred to take him in a second round, is a back that I think can you know basically be a possible RB1. The improvement in Kansas City's offensive line, the volume in the offense, I think is going to increase. It seems to be a little more involved in the passing game. But as you kind of pointed out, there's a big drop off the running back position when you do a certain ranking. And then receivers, while I like a lot of them, when Hopkins came off the board, it pretty much solidified. There was no receiver that I value in the second round right
1: there. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, I think that, yeah, Hopkins is the end of that little uh, receiver tier, just like the Barkley was the end of that, that running back tier. Um, so then after you, speaking of now the next receiver tier, uh, DK Metcalf's off the board, uh, kind of limited just by, by volume, having Lockett there as well. And um, – and- just a, an offense that supposedly could be a little bit more run oriented. I don't think it'll be that big of a change, but uh, nonetheless. Uh, and then, then with Dan, we have Calvin Ridley, who uh, I think is a bona fide wide receiver. One, I imagine you do as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, this was this pick was actually a no brainer for me in this situation. Late in the second round, Calvin Ridley is my number five wide receiver this year so i'm gonna guide them very very confident on the top five potential going right there with the second round when i already have my rb1 christian mccaffrey so i'm ready to rock and roll
1: absolutely um so then after after your pick uh swift comes in swift is in an interesting situation i he's a really good talent uh and i think he's going to be that main back but that situation in Detroit is just not looking good. Are, are any of you guys super high on, on Swift?
3: I still have Swift as my top-end RB, two. Honestly, I kind of took Calvin really with with the hope that Swift was going to fall in the third round because I've been in a lot of drafts where he has been falling into the third round, and I'm giddy over that notion.
4: Yeah, I, I think that, too. I, I mean, I think Swift is still a hell of a talent, and I like the fact that uh, Detroit has finally focused on getting their line in shape. They had um, a couple of good... Uh, offensive line. I think his name is Frank Ragnarow or Frank Frank. Right now, right now, I think he's the he's the right tackle, right? Or is he the left tackle? And Penae Sewell is the right tackle now. Oh, Raginow's the, the tackle, but Raginow's the center. Raginow's the center. Okay. Well, they had a pretty good left tackle, and he was so good that they actually moved Penae Sewell to the right tackle because they didn't want to they didn't want to mess up what they had there. So I think they're doing a pretty dang good job. To focus on the right things. Obviously, it's going to take time there, but, you know, they got Swift. Um, I'm on Ross St. Brown, shows potential out of USC. And we're going to see if Jared Goff can do anything outside of uh, Sean McVay's system. So, you know, I'm still biting on Swift. Uh, like Dan said, I'd love to have him in the third round. If I have to reach for him at the end of the second round because I know somebody's going to snipe me at, th- at the beginning of the third round, then I'll do that. But, you know, if he's going where he's going right now, it's an easy it's an easy pickup to get swift.
3: Taylor Decker is the uh, name that you were trying to think of, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. yeah so that... <laughs> I don't remember many lions. <laughs> <laughs> and he probably won't need to. So it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Mike Brown if he's watching. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> uh, staying in the NFC North, Justin Jefferson goes, again, in that second tier of, of wide receivers, J.K. Dobbins, who's – an interesting name, to say the least. He's someone who, depending on your belief in um, him picking up uh, more receiver, more targets as a receiver, could vary wildly wildly in your value of him. A.J. Brown uh, would be a little bit higher if it wasn't for the Julio acquisition. Acquisition still a great receiver, but um, that limitless volume is kind of. Uh, dwindled there, and we get our first quarterback off the board after that with Patrick Mahomes going in the third round. I don't hate that. Um, If you're going to get someone at the quarterback position this early, it has to be him, obviously. Um, Then we get the two next best tight ends. Um, We're going to see that drop here in tight end value now for the next handful of rounds, Um, which, Danny, actually you got Walt.
3: Yeah, uh, this is something I haven't done, actually. This is going to be my first time drafting Darren Waller. I usually try to stock up the running backs and wide receivers as much as I possibly can early. But because I had a you know Chris McCaffrey, because I had a top five receiver core in my rankings, I felt like, you know what, I'm going to go Waller here and take my number two tight end on the board. And we're going to build out this roster construction right now and kind of see how this thing goes. But Waller in the third round is a value there. And I know he's been dropping a little bit because he was, you know, he still been practicing, but he came back to practice today. They expect him to be perfectly fine. He like Travis. Kelsey puts up wide receiver one, like numbers, and he's going to be the number one pass catcher again. Cause it ain't going to be John Brown. I don't care about all the hype up. Brian Edwards it ain't going to be him. And it ain't going to be Henry Ruggs. Somebody's got to catch the ball. To me, it's going to be Darren Waller all day.
1: Yeah. I, I would have to agree with that. I think it's John Brown. John Bruce, and Darren Bruce, Waller, the only receivers that scare me on that team. Uh, so after you, uh, Scary Terry goes off the board, and then Chris goes with David Montgomery, um, Chicago Bear. What? Do, what do we? Yeah, got I mean,
2: David Montgomery's been somebody I've been kind of questionable. We talked about before in other shows, and then on Dan's show, and I, we talked about you know not loving him having Nagy be the taking back over play calling. Um, I think it's only a matter of time till he realizes that he shouldn't be doing that. I also think it's only a matter of time when Justin Fields becomes the quarterback. So those two things for me give David Montgomery. The production I'm looking for because he was very solid last year. I know a lot of people talk about the soft schedule they kind of face, but to me, as long as he gets the volume, I'm expecting him to have a nice floor. I like to go, I like to go with my flex position to be running back over receiver, so I'm trying to load up a little bit there.
1: I like it. I like it. So then after you, Keenan Allen, uh, the GS and Herbert safety blanket goes. Mike Evans, that's an interesting one. Um, we we see him go off the board uh, with a, just a super strong. Love Mike Evans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Then I grabbed Allen Robinson. Who? Hey, I I think Justin Fields is. I like it. I like the odds of him winning the job sooner rather than later. Uh, And if he doesn't, then I think Najee's out sooner rather than later. And the sooner we get Bill Lazer in, the sooner sooner Robinson pops off. So I'm. I think either way, I'm pretty excited about having Robinson in the third round. Talent-wise, he's up there with those top receivers. Um, So, I, I mean, It's just about the quarterback play. If he has the quarterback play, he's up there with those top receivers to me. So, if I believe in Justin Fields,
4: well, he he's had crap quarterbacks for a while, and he's he's still been garnering what a hundred and like thirty plus targets a season. So yeah, I, I would definitely. I think Allen Robinson is a hell of a pick at that at this point because you're getting a legit number one with a legit target share. And it doesn't matter whether it was Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles, you know, Dan Mader, Chris Howard, Justin Herrera. (laughs) Somehow Allen Robinson is going to get the ball and he's going to do something with it. So I was
2: going to say, say, you got to give the Red Rifle some credit. He does get the number one receiver involved. Cooper had a good year last year and AJ Green was always historically good in Cincinnati. So he does find that number Mm -hmm. one receiver.
1: Yeah, so yeah. I feel very good about Allen Robinson at the back end of the, the third. I think he's got upside just, to, you know, depending on who is the quarterback to do, to uh, outperform that for sure. Uh, then we see Miles Sanders, Julio Jones. So we see both Tennessee Titans wide receivers go in the third round. Interesting there. And then I actually really like this pick. of uh, Justin, we get Josh Jacobs off the board.
4: Yeah, Josh Jacobs. Um, this was actually – a really like a tug of war with me because I was going Chris Carson or Josh Jacobs, but I recently did an article on the Raiders Seahawks game and it gave me a little preview what the Raiders offensive line is going to look like. And I think that Alex, Weather other Le- Alex Leatherwood does not look very, or he looks very good. He doesn't look as bad as we thought he was going to be, you know, because he, he kind of came off as like kind of somebody who should have been in the second round, not a, A late first rounder. So, you know, he looked good, and their new center, Andre James, looked good. Uh, Trey Regis was going full tilt boogie the entire time. I think he ended up with like 63 yards, but he was really, you know, running kind of like how Josh Jacobs would and gaining a lot of yards. So I kind of just went with Josh Jacobs there because he's had 2,000 yard seasons. Last year, he had double digit touchdowns. If they get him involved any way, shape, or form, please John Gruden and with the um, passing game, I think you know he's easily going to be a top 15 top 12 running back. It just saying
2: John Gruden just trade for Malcolm Brown.
1: Nasty <laughs> 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 killer strikes again. <laughs> so so I loved getting Josh Jacobs there at the end of the third and uh, this is where I'm gonna, gonna push you a little bit. I I'm intrigued by the reasoning on getting CD lamb over uh, Amari Cooper there
4: um cd lamb so i actually in half ppr and ppr i really like to take into consideration like who is getting the slot receptions and a lot of the slot receptions were going to cd lamb slot passes are one of the obviously it's like the easiest pass to catch but with cd lamb he's actually a beast in open field in yards after the catch so that's why they actually brought him in from oklahoma and that was one of the true traits that was like attached to his rookie profile is that he's a beast after the catch. So I'm, I usually target the guys that are going to go get the yak and and get like slot reception. So I was targeting more of CD Lamb slot percentages. And so that's kind of my reasoning for that. Plus, I don't really like Amari Cooper's situation. I, I like the player, but he always tends to find himself injured at least once during the season. It happens every single year. I mean, last year was—I think his ankle didn't just have surgery on it, like this off season.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's correct.
4: Yeah, so that—that that was my reasoning behind it. I just like Lamb's percentages in the slot, and I like his yards after the catch, so picked him over him. He's my number 10 wide
3: receiver, so I have him as a wide receiver one this season. And I I think there's a decent – I don't know if he out-targets Amari Cooper, but I think there's a decent chance he's more productive than Amari Cooper in yards and touchdowns.
4: No.
1: I I respect it. All right, so then after that, Kyler Murray is off the board, second quarterback. He's not my quarterback too, and I I think I speak for at least a couple of us there. Robert Woods, who I I would have loved to fall to me, uh, he's Mm -hmm. off the board. I went with Chris Carson. Um, you know, we kind of briefly went over this, but this to me is that next running back tier. Like, he was the last one. I think there is a, a not a crazy gap. I'm not trying to diss on Daryl Henderson, but I think there is a very real gap between Chris Carson and then Henderson, Etienne uh, Hunt, et cetera. Um, not a large one, not a crazy one. It's not nearly as, as big as the one between Barkley and Taylor. I don't want to get that mixed up, but... I, I, that is to me a, a split, um, so I wanted to go ahead and get Chris Carson, get my RB two locked in. Um, then, of course, the other Cowboys receiver goes, uh, then Josh Allen, um, a little bit closer to my my quarterback too. Um, and then, and then Chris gets Henderson.
2: I did, and I think you're absolutely right. I think Chris Carson definitely is that next, that, the last of that top tier type of back guy who's a true number one. Henderson, to me, is a good guy has an awesome flex option, definitely has RB2 potential. Um, I like his involvement in the Rams offense. I think Matthew Stafford has dropped his check down to his running back. Uh, Henderson was one of the better production-wise, efficiency-wise running backs last year. for the Rams, you know, PFF's guy, basically from his entire season, is with the highest-ranked running back. So I think overall, I like his talent. I think he doesn't necessarily have the same floor that maybe, of course, Carson has, but I still think that, for me, I'm trying to make sure I have the best backs I can have.
1: Yeah, uh, you are definitely going with an RB heavy build. And if I remember correctly, you did that in best ball too. Is that just a, a strategy? I'm a big believer in that
2: if, in worst case scenario, you can always trade a good running back. It's always like easier to trade
4: than a receiver. I like that strategy a lot because yeah,
3: yeah. it's also a butt munch because he sniped the hell out of me because I'm expecting Daryl Henderson to be there <laughs> with my pick. Got it, Justin?
2: you take Darren Waller?
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say it's just uh, if you load up on running back early, you're gonna have the best odds for if somebody goes down. You're gonna have to be able to plug an immediate threat right back into it. You don't have to go through the waiver wires or anything like that. That's all I was gonna say. Uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Chris, is like, ah, I'm gonna load up on four running back. In my first four picks, even though I can play three in this format of two running backs and one flex. But oh wow.
2: Trade. Here's what you do.
3: Here's what you do in these situations that you find yourselves in. And this is one of the risks that you run into when you take a tight end in a second round. You might be left hanging at a running back or wide receiver spot later on that second one. But that's okay. You want to zag when everybody else is zigging. That's what I praise about all the time when you're talking about these drafts. And that's exactly what I did here. Fine. Chris wants to take all the running backs. I'll take all the receivers. I'll take Chris Godwin, who's my number 11 wide receiver. I have him getting inside my top 12. Uh, So I'm okay with that pick in the fourth round. Absolutely. This week. Remember Tampa Bay Buccaneer receivers weeks nine through 17 when Antonio Brown is in the mix, even though he out targeted Chris Godwin, Chris Godwin still finished as the wide receiver, 12 Mike Evans was wide receiver, nine Antonio Brown was the wide receiver, 21. So if you think for a second, that these three receivers being together means that they can't be all fantasy relevant. That Mike Evans and Chris Godwin can't be wide receiver ones as a result. Think again, did you watch that Tampa Bay game? Did you see what happened in that backfield? It's going to be pass, 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 pass galore. All three of these receivers can eat. That's why I've Godwin finishing inside my top 12, and he's going to be the second Tampa Bay running back, uh, Tampa Bay wide receiver that I have ranked this year.
4: Dan's just happy you got Christian McCaffrey.
3: <laughs> yeah, That well, makes the rest of this possible. That really does make the rest of this possible. Otherwise, I probably would have taken Waller in the, in the third round there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, so in between those two picks, Moore's is off the board. The uh, first Panthers receiver, um, if we're not including Mac- McCaffrey, obviously. Uh, Lamar Jackson finally made it to my q- QB2 of the four quarterbacks taken so far. Um, Etienne, Kyle Pitts. This is interesting. Guys – Would you rather have Kyle Pitts, Hawkinson, or Mark Andrews?
2: Mark Andrews? Me, clearly. Oof.
3: Boo, that's what I had to say about Kyle Pitts going that high. That's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I cannot get behind that. I would have him firmly ranked behind Mark Andrews and probably behind Hawkinson as well. Um, I got
3: him with my tight end seven. So, yeah, I have him behind both those guys as well. Look, you can't draft him here. He has to finish inside the top 5. In this instance, you have him in the 4th round. He's got to probably finish inside the top 4 to give yeah. you back the value at this point. There's there's mm-hmm. you can't put that on a rookie tight end. You just can't. I don't care how great his talent is and this talent is tremendous. I don't doubt that for a second. Gronk Evan Ingram. That's it. Those are the only two rookies to finish in the top 5 in 10 years. Don't give me this. I don't I don't I don't want to hear Kyle Pitts belongs up here already cuz he doesn't.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean it it's just gonna be so touchdown dependent the first couple years more than likely with with uh, matt ryan i just i'm not interested this high i think like you said great talent not here um next up kareem hunt um that's our first i believe true rb2 um i guess we can talk about henderson who entered as a backup and etn who uh will probably start out behind james robinson but obviously uh team two is hoping that he passes him pretty quickly um, so that, that's definitely way too high. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yes. Yeah. Adam Thielen goes Cooper cup. That one's interesting. I, uh, we have already seen Robert Woods go um, to me, Robert Woods and Cooper cup could definitely be a Marvin Jones, Golden Tate type of uh, receiver duo for uh, Matthew Stafford. I, yeah. I like those two a lot together uh, with Stafford. And then finally, we are back to Dan with Tyler Lockett.
3: You guys ever seen draft day? You guys ever (laughs) seen draft day? Vontae Mack, no matter what? Tyler Lockett, fifth round, lock it in, no matter what. Because
1: it's
3: it's absolutely insane. He has top 10 potential. He's actually finished a top 10 receiver the past two years. I don't care about the inconsistency. I don't think that's going to be – it's not going to be – definitely not as wide of a range of inconsistency as it was a season ago because it's almost impossible to duplicate what happened. then he still had 100 catches, guys. I'm taking him there in the fifth round. All day, every day, and what's just going to be essentially a DK Metcalf, entire Lockett volume-based passing attack offense.
4: Yeah, who else is yeah, there? We, right? we saw
2: that Ram. Si- we saw that Ram system too. I think that's going to be paying perfectly. Where we talked about, you know, um, the slot receiver being utilized before, and I think that you're going to see Lockett a lot in the slot. You're going to have an opportunity for him to kind of run the whole route. Sure, we saw Robert Woods be successful in that system. so Cooper Cup be successful in that system. Tyler Lockett's going to be successful in that system.
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree. Lockett is definitely a value there. Um, Then, of course, as I I kind of alluded to earlier, Hawkinson goes and Mark Andrews goes in between them. Chris takes Deontay Johnson. He has finally moved on from the running back position.
2: Yeah, Deontay Johnson, to me, is one of the top receivers on the left on the board. I love Deontay Johnson this year. I expect him to actually have a Stephon Diggs kind of breakout. Um, I think he's going to be a stud this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes in a top 10 receiver. And I think that this is going to be a great value for me.
1: Yeah. Um, Then Dak Prescott's off the board. Um, And then I finally get a quarterback. I'm the first of one of us to go grab a quarterback. Uh, To me, your pick of Deontay Johnson was the end of that receiver tier for me. There wasn't any running back. I was dying to pick. I already obviously have tight end figured out. Um, so it was like, all right, let me go get my quarterback. Um, I went with Brady. It was between him and Wilson. Um, I, and, you know, I just, with the receivers that Brady has, to me, the only way he finishes below quarterback, like eight, is if he goes down. I think that is the only way it happens. i I mean, I I hate banking on a a quarterback's passing touchdowns over some some of the guys that can run, like a a Lamar, like a Josh Allen, like a Kyler, um, even kind of like a back to to an extent, um, or or Russell Wilson, really, to an extent as well. But I mean, in this situation, having one of the best uh, head coach coordinator guys, uh, offensive minds, having one of the best receiving cores I've ever seen, having... Uh, one of the craziest tight end rooms I've ever seen, a very solid offensive line, and then finally the best quarterback of all time. having that all together is just gonna make for a really a really high octane offense.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's make excellent points. Um, yeah
1: so then after after my Brady pick, Chase Edmonds goes off the board, and then Iuke, um, and then we get our second quarterback of us taken. Uh, Justin took Justin Herbert some
4: Justin loyalty over there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he fell to me just in time. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> Where's
3: the dad joke button when we need it? <laughs>
4: um, no, but really, if Brandon Ayuk fell one more pick, he would have been my pick, and then Justin Herbert would have been the, the swing pick. Um, Justin Herbert, I just love the talent so much. The dude is literally getting a brand new offensive line. He's got one of the best running backs for pass catching. And then he's got old, reliable Keenan Allen. Josh Palmer looks pretty good. Mike Williams will obviously be in and out of, you know, the injury room. I think we've kind of figured that he's just perpetually always injured. But, um... Yeah, I just think this guy was able to do so much with so little last year. As far as, you know, obviously Keenan Allen never really garners more than eight touchdowns. You know, Austin Eckler was gone for six games, only took three touchdowns away. Um, You know, Jalen Guyton, all these other guys, I I think that he's just got a lot of talent around him, and he's a good young quarterback. So, I mean, he's he's my guy for – for a top five QB that's outside of it right now. I think he'll make it in there. And then my other guy was Mike Davis. And, I mean, I just like the opportunity Mike Davis is getting. He's getting the chance to be the running back in Atlanta. Obviously, he slowed down a lot last year. But I think at this point you could really just use him as like a, you know, a first half, second half guy. Wherever he kind of blooms, you know, I'll take him for what he is. He can be a flex player.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, Dan, and you're both uh Herbert Doubters. Uh any any comments here?
3: Yeah, sorry, but he was my number one bust my quarterback bust <laughs> episode. <laughs>
1: He has talent, and
3: I don't dispute that, and he has a nice arm. I don't dispute that. I dispute that he can actually redefense his past Keenan now. We saw that be a problem towards the end of last season. I dispute that the idea that a new coach, a new system in year two, is not going to be some type of hindrance for a quarterback now having to lun- another new system in a second year while he's trying to develop in the NFL. We've seen that come to a boiling point before. I also find the Chargers in a position where they may have a lack of weapons. I like Eckler. I like Jared Cook. I'm okay with Mike Williams. Williams is hurt right now. We know Ecklers are ticking time bomb. He's never started a full 16 game season in his career. And Jared Cook's the guy who often gets hurt or disappears at times. So I feel like he might be in a situation where he might be down to just Key and Allen. I worry about that with him and defense is being able to take that away. And then what does he do after that? So I really think there's going to be, I don't think he's going to bust out the way Baker busted from his rookie season to his sophomore year, but I do think there's going to be sophomore aggression here.
1: Yep, I, I totally Well, get well in
4: all fairness, there, I, I like the fact that last year you saw the emergence of guys like, because the Chargers kind of have a system for a certain type of receiver, right? Like, after Keenan Allen, they really have just like a bunch of guys who really stretch the field very well. And that kind of helps with Herbert because he's got a big arm. So, last year you saw, like I was saying, like Jalen Guyton, Tyron Johnson get more involved. I think this year Josh Palmer is going to be a real like sleeper. If if not the front end of the season, he's going to be a sleeper on the back end of the season because if they put him in the slot, he, I think he runs routes pretty well and he's fast. So, you know, I'm just going to uh, throw a little water on that, think, Justin, for one
2: second though. Not the same coaching staff. Anthony Lynn's moved on. When's the last time you saw a
4: speed receiver be successful in the Saints? Well, I mean, their speed receivers don't really have hands over there. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. a valid point. But let's, let's face it. Traquan Swift has been kind of a dud. I mean, he's, he's getting some hype this year, but that's only because Michael Thomas isn't there. Uh, and even now, he's not even getting the hype because Marquez is coming in. So, you know, I would just say that when have you seen a Saints receiver who can go deep that has hands? I mean, the only person that really did it was Jared Cook, and he was successful. They just didn't throw it to him as much as, you know, they should have. I mean, he got like 36 receptions last year, I think 50 targets, but he still got a high amount of touchdowns. So...
3: I would say this to, to kind of back up Chris's point. I, I would rephrase it too. When's the last time you've seen a speed receiver that was featured in any kind of significant way on that team? That would be more the question.
4: I guess Dante Stallworth would probably be one of the last ones. Right, exactly. And that's going back yeah. how many way years now? Joe Lombardi, yeah. <laughs> way before Joe Lombardi. No, I see your guys' point.
1: Yeah. Um, He's
4: just, he just shares the name with I, me. I'm, I'm a Herbert <laughs> hater. I'll admit it. So I'm just, <laughs> yeah. just trying to
1: give it a hard time. <laughs> That's what this is all about. Yep, yep. So after that we get um Miles Gaskin off the board. Uh then Michael Thomas. I don't know if the computer remembers the injury. Um I, I'd have to check. You
3: know what though? I was in a live mock draft with a bunch of people, like actual people, and I saw Michael Thomas go in the sixth round and it, it, like it befuddled me then too. So I, I don't really get that part of it. Uh, but, yeah, no. It, look, I like Michael Thomas as a value if you want to take a shot on a guy when you have an IR spot in your league later on, like the ninth, 10th round maybe. Yes. Somebody might be a playoff winner Free Sixth round, you're still talking about valuable assets on your team. There's no reason Michael Thomas would be going this high.
1: Yeah, for me, I value him in the early 30s as far as wide receivers go. Early, mid-30s. Um, certainly, I'm I not in the mood to count all of these, but I imagine we're at... Early twenties, at least where he's picked. Um, yeah, so definitely. A little you can't Ray for us,
3: Adam. No, I, I cannot do that. <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> um,
1: so after after Michael Thomas, uh, I went ahead and got T Higgins. I think he's going to get pretty good volume from Joe Burrow. Um, he's a, a big body. Um, that's going to be a high octane passing offense, or at least a high volume passing offense. How good they are is going to depend on if Joe Burrow recovers as he should. I know he's been a little shaky in camp, and uh, and whatnot. Um, and if if uh, their coach can can coach a high octane offense, to be honest with you, I think that remains to be seen. Um, after that, we get the other Cincinnati receiver, Jamar Chase, um, probably. a Maybe a superior talent, but just as a rookie, I wasn't willing to, to bank on that immediately. I think you
3: made the right move, Adam. Honestly, yeah. I'm I'm going to be changing my rankings soon. One of the things I am going to be changing is T. Higgins is going to be overtaking Jamar Chase in my rankings as well. But the entire receiving court of the Bengals might be taking a little bit of a dip in production in my book as well because we we just right now is going on with Joe Burrow, it's probably the worst fear outside of just not being healthy. So that that's, with him having to get over a mental hurdle, we've seen quarterbacks take a year to come back from a need as them true selves. If that one's been the case, I do worry a little bit about how optimistic we are on these guys. But well, when you combine that with Jamar Chase not getting open in practice, and a lot of a lot of negative reporting from beat writers who want to pump up these guys, when you're hearing about Elijah Moore going crazy, when you hear about you know Devonta Smith was doing well according to reports before he got injured, all the other rookie wide receivers are doing really well except for the main guy in Jamar Chase. You combine it, two, I just think there's going to be a a slow start that you have to anticipate that you won't have with a T Higgins. So that's I think you made the right move.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, after that, we stay in the AFC North with uh, Odell. And Chris, you get Aaron Rodgers. No, yeah, no touchdown regression for you?
2: Not in my book. We had this discussion on the MDs show. Um, I, Aaron Rodgers, to me, please, please, anybody hate on him. I love it. It's like betting against Michael Jordan in my book. Um, I think he's already talked about this being the last dance. Aaron Rodgers is going to go out guns blazing. And I think that what we saw last year is just basically what we're going to see again this year. He's comfortable with the offense. I think they may actually improve the offense a little bit getting rid of Jamal Williams. And I think that overall Aaron Rodgers, to me, is one of those top-tier quarterbacks. I do like Russ. Um, I do like some other guys right around there. But Aaron Rodgers, to me, is the guy that I want to have right there.
0: Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
4: Yeah, Chris, you're in luck. The NFC Championship game isn't played in any fantasy leagues. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Exactly. Exactly. Um,
1: So after that, Russell Wilson's off the board. And then we get some 49er loyalty um, with Dan, which I actually think is a pretty good pick.
3: Well, I don't mind, and I'm getting the board towards the back end of the sixth round here. I don't mind taking Raheem Moser in the sixth round. I think I've talked about this on the MD's Famous Football Show before, too. He's that guy, look, I only need you to get 10 to 12 touches, and he can perform at an RB one level because he could take any play to the house, especially in this system. I still expect him, while he's healthy, to be the lead, or at least be the starting running back. How long that lasts... I don't know. That's why I came back and took another running back in the next round. But in this situation where I'm locked up a tight end, I'm locked up a receiver, I have an RB1 that I can depend upon, let me go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and take some shots there at RB2 in the sixth round for a guy that I know can give me top 12 type of results any given week, even though I know there's probably a leash on his timeline as far as how long into the season he can last. Yeah. Uh,
1: let
2: me ask you a quick definitely. question about that, Dan, though. Um, I don't disagree. I think it was a good value pick there, but why take Mostert when you have concerns about how many games he's going to play, but Michael Thomas is such a thing that you kind of poo-poo taking him around the same round?
3: Well, because Raheem Mostert's healthy now. I know Michael Thomas is definitely out six weeks. I don't know, you know, exactly what Mostert's time. We know he gets hurt every single year, but even last year, he still played in 12 games. So that's why. Um, After,
1: after the Mostert pick, we got Kenny Galladay, who, depending on uh, how Daniel Jones performs this year, could that could be a pretty good value. Uh, Melvin Gordon, again, kind of dependent on a rookie, uh, whether or not his job is taken. Chase Claypool hurts, uh, which I think that's an interesting pick there. Very interesting to me just because uh, it's a little high. He's, he's not someone that uh, many of us really love as an actual quarterback, but his, his running ability uh, gets him drafted pretty high. Um, reports are that he's been throwing well in camp, but that, as you kind of alluded to earlier, these beat writers want to to talk up their guys. That doesn't mean too much. It really only means something if they're not talking someone up. To be honest, uh, so after him, his tight end goes and Goddard. Then after him, the running back, the aforementioned running back that's uh, hindering Melvin Gordon, um, goes Javante Williams, and then we get another rookie running back, back-to-back rookie running backs, Michael Carter. Um, so you're, you're just really in love with that system, aren't you, Dan?
4: It's a good system.
3: Yeah, really the system. system that propels running backs, kind of like Moster yeah. Carter's in the same boat. Where I need just give me twelve to fifteen, t- give me twelve to fifteen touches, and I give you a at least a high end RB three, if not a low end RB two. Chris and I talked about it uh, on our show. He was our number one sleeper running back this year because of his ADP and what his potential is within this offensive system, and. While they sprinkled in Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman, again, I don't need a ton of touches for Michael Carter to be effective, but Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, just listen to those names. I'm not worried about them ever being a significant thing to Michael Carter. I expect Michael Carter to be the starter. He has been running with the ones. It didn't take very long for that to happen, so you already know it's showing out in camp, and I'm big on having him and most are just going, like, you know what, I'm going to bounce you two off based on matchup as my RB2. I'm going to feel pretty good about that.
1: I, I You're definitely not knock that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you
3: get. That's what you get for taking Daryl Henderson.
1: <laughs> yeah, Carter is an excellent value there. I love that. Uh, after that, James Robinson and then Chris, uh, I imagine you would have taken Carter had he been there, but Cortland Sutton is instead who you, you go away with, which uh, we kind of talked about with, with Andy Dalton, how for him not being maybe the best quarterback, he takes care of his wide receiver one. I think after last year, we can kind of say the same about Teddy. Uh, you know, for all of my complaints about him, the quarterback, he did well as uh, for his fantasy receivers.
2: Yeah, I mean, and he did well with Drew Locke as well. So, I mean, Cortland Sutton, to me, I know he's coming back from an injury, but he got hurt early in the year, so he should be 100% healthy going into the year. Um, he's one of the more explosive receivers still on the board. I love his talent. I love him coming out of college. So I think this guy's a stud, um, you know, big, strong target. I think Judy's going to kind of be that slot guy, be able to eat some of the targets away. But overall, Courtland Sutton, to me, is the guy who's just basically just just entering his prime. And I think he's going to change his seed moving forward. So I kind of went the upside there. Yes, I would take Michael Carter. Had he fallen on 12 running backs, so I took Michael Carter there. But Courtland Sutton, to me, is a nice little consolation prize.
4: Are, are you worried that he's going to be more of the stretch receiver than the possession receiver? So like in like a half PPR or PPR when receptions actually matter, you know, he might get those days where it's like four receptions and 50 yards and maybe a touchdown. And, you know, you're really banking on that touchdown because otherwise you're getting like nine points. No, you, know, are, I are you worried really like that type of.
2: I think that's Hamler's role, and I look at you know, Pat Shermer back on the Giants and also on the Minnesota, particularly the Minnesota. Adam, Elon, and Stefan takes eight just fine between both of them, and they're both will be featured. So I think Cortland Sutton isn't a guy I'm worried about he's becoming a one-trick pony. I think it's, like I said, I think it's K.J. Hamler's kind of role. And I think Cortland Sutton, they're talking about playing a lot more two tight end sets. I think it's going to be Sutton and Judy out there primarily anyway. So I like him regardless. I don't think he's going to necessarily have 110 catches but I do think he'll have around the 80 range and I think he'll be able to smell double digit touchdowns to me. So that's uh, kind of outweighs, you know, kind of the, the volume upside.
4: No, yeah, I, I definitely love Sutton for the touchdown upside. I The one thing I was just always like worried about with Sutton is like, he's coming back, but he was always an explosive receiver. You know, he was, he was kind of a downfield threat that one year that he had with Locke, where he had 73 receptions. They were kind of just kind of lobbing it because that's what Locke does. He just lobs it up there and doesn't, He throws caution to the wind doesn't care about anything and um so yeah that's why i was kind of always i was worried about it i've been drafting him but i've been worried about you know what his value is going to be coming back now you know is he going to be more of a just a like you said one trick pony like send him down there and then just give him the ball and watch him explode or is he going to be somebody where you know you get him kind of like in space and just let him do stuff you know like shorter routes what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I
2: I I trust Pat Shermer. I mean, I understand for some coordinators, I would definitely have that concern. But Pat Shermer, to me, is one of the guys I do trust to get his guys involved. He'll throw slants to him. He runs still kind of that West Coast system, um, so I think that site still has a good chance. And then, as Adam pointed out, if, even if it is Teddy Bridgewater, we saw D.J. Moore and Robbie Anderson both eat last year, so I think he can be
4: able to still eat as well. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater did really good because he even like fed Curtis Samuel 800 yards, so. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. Um, so after the Sutton pick, Juju was off the board. Um, honestly, getting the, the last of the Steelers receivers isn't bad there. Um, Ronald Jones up next. Uh, have we – I do believe that Fournette is still available. Or, uh, no, he went next um, next round. But as of that time, he's <laughs> still Don't take the Tampa
2: running the backs.
3: Yeah, yeah, especially not in the seventh round.
1: Not, I would honestly go as far as to say not in the first nine and almost first ten. Um, it's. Uh, I'll take
4: Rojo. I'll take yeah. Rojo. What um, round, though? <laughs> I'll take Rojo if he's around, you know, late eight, early ninth. Mm-hmm. That.
1: That's where it starts. You're together.
3: playing with fire, sir. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um. Yeah. So Rojo's there. I went to Debo Samuel. We kind of have talked about it, um, on this show. I believe actually two weeks ago. Um, Shanahan loves his receivers that are really just running backs and that's what Debo Samuel is to me um, I, I'm trying to go and you'll you'll see more of this once I, I talk about this next pick but I'm just trying to go high upside for my flex and, and kind of like what you, you're doing Dan uh, with Mostert and Carter um, I just want to have two guides that I can depending on the matchup, depending on what I want to do depending on who's the hot hand uh, kind of go between um, in, in Samuel and my next guy here um, then Chark off the board, uh, we got David Johnson, interesting. Uh, and then Robbie Anderson and Jerry Judy go to Justin.
4: That was for the David Johnson one. I, I don't know why. <laughs>
3: well, the, the computer hasn't caught up with the fact that it looks like Phil Lindsay is actually going to be the ball carrier.
2: Oh, oh, oh is ball, that true?
3: Yeah, I'll give you that, Chris, because Chris <laughs> talked about that. I, I no said word. I had to see it before I believe it. Because it didn't make any sense to me with David Johnson making more money than everybody else in that backfield for him to be, be second fiddle. But apparently that's what happened, or at least that's what happened in the first preseason game, which just makes me go back to my original point when it comes to Houston, which is I'm not touching you people, period. I don't care who we are. So, yeah, that, no, that's I'll, throw, I'll,
2: I'll go with you there, Dan. I'll add some even more cloudiness to that situation. They say Mark Ingram was being treated yeah. like an RB1. That's why he didn't play.
3: Right. I, which is, I'm like, Oof. I have no
4: idea what to think with that Oof. team right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm with Dan right there. Uh, Houston players can stay six feet away. <laughs> At all times, yes. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Mask on, stay in your bubble.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: all right, so uh, I got to explain Robbie Anderson and Jerry Judy. Um, for me, Robbie Anderson and Jerry Judy are just, like I said, with CD Lamb, they're uh, target machines. I really liked what they did last year in Carolina, what Joe Brady did with Robbie Anderson. He turned him from a deep threat to a shorter field and slot guy. And he used his speed to get him open and get him in the space. You know, he got him 95 touch or 95 targets, and I believe 120 target or no 195 receptions, 120 targets. Man, I need more coffee. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do worry about him not getting the touchdown receptions, but at this point, if I can get him in the same range that he was last year 90 plus receptions, 1,000 yards I'd be happy with him being my receiver, too. And then uh, Jerry Judy, I think, is going to have a monster year. I mean, do you guys watch Jerry Judy's footwork, like drills? And watch, like, I mean, watch his. Love like, his slots are like his uh, route running. Holy shoot. He he can literally turn somebody around just by like, taking a fake step over here. You know, he, he's, yeah, he's just a whole nother level. I respect the talent, and I'm getting Jerry Judy everywhere. I think he's going to have a blow-up year. I mean, he's probably going to get maybe, if we're lucky, with Locke and Bridgewater combining, maybe 120 targets, 90 receptions. I'm cool with that. And, uh, yeah, hopefully he just gets – he snags some touchdowns from Cortland Sutton.
1: Yeah, I, I, I like uh, Judy a lot as a, a second-year breakout. Definitely one of the better route runners in the league already. Um, oh, maybe
4: the best. And and
1: with Robbie Anderson there, um, I, I love the system, 100% agreed on all of those points. Are you what, – what's your thoughts on, on Darnold? Are you a Darnold guy? Are you concerned? Is that a concern of yours?
4: No, not at all. I see Darnold as a more of a touchdown upside Teddy Bridgewater. I think that's why they got him. I think Teddy Bridgewater did not throw the ball enough in the red zone, and I don't think they – you know, he got 15 touchdowns last year. That's not enough for a, a QB one. So I think Sam Darnold is somebody who can probably get them into the 20, 25 touchdown range. I mean, now he's away from Adam Gase, so <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> I, I hope Adam Gase um, – doesn't ruin
1: a couple of high school careers. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, man. so team eleven, I think, is just not keeping up with the news because their last three picks have been Miles Gaskin, who's apparently not the the main running back in Miami, David Johnson, apparently not the main running back in Houston, and Damian Harris, who is having a uh, a tough off season, uh, it seems in regards to some of the other Patriots running backs. Um I, I don't know what, what theme 11 is up to, but I don't love it. Um, They're Noah all fans, auto draft. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, right. Noah Fance up next. Uh, interesting upside tight end. Great talent. But, uh, you know, just need to see more out of that that team passing as a whole to have three guys go this early. Uh, Jalen Waddle was a, an upside pick for me. Um, I, I I was contemplating between him and Fuller. And I'm just of the notion that, you know, Waddle is going to have that one week or two weeks or whatever without Fuller to go, hey, this is why I reading, should be right? the feature receiver instead of that other guy. And uh, I like his odds of doing really well with it. Um, and Trey Sermon, we get the other the other Niners running back. Leonard Fournette, we've talked about that before. He shouldn't go this early. Um, and then Will Fuller. Uh, so there's the other Miami receiver,
2: Chris. Yeah, I went with Will Fuller. Um, I, I can't disagree with you. I mean, we talked about this on MD's show that Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller to both of us is somebody that we kind of have, you know, neck and neck in a lot of ways. I understand having the advantage of having one more game definitely, having that you know, opportunity to kind of practice more often as well. I think that, you know, Waddle's got a lot of upside. Will Fuller to me showed that he wasn't just a one-trick pony last year. And we'll see without, the, you know, the extra extra help he was getting last year how he still is productive, but he did become more of an efficient receiver. He wasn't just a deep threat anymore. He was able to kind of run different routes. Um, I think him and two are going to kind of hit it off. Then he'll get space. I think he'll be able to uh, game breaker for the Dolphins. And Will Fuller, I mean, he had basically seven straight games with a touchdown. So that's what I'm kind of looking for. Nice floor because good upside. But I can't argue the Waddle and him will probably be neck and neck the whole season.
4: Chris, I totally agree with that, man. Will Fuller was another guy who got Robbie Anderson somebody found out that he's really fast and really like quick off of the uh, line of scrimmage and said, Hey, let's move him into like maybe some dig routes or maybe some slant routes. And <laughs> let's get him a lot more options than just running a nine route the entire time. So yeah, I'm a hundred percent on with that. I-, I like that pick of Will Fuller. we happened, have been bro. Brian gets fired. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, so after Fuller, Devonta Smith goes again, having a solid camp. And then I It's been one of those picks that's just been applauded, I think, pretty much every time that it's been picked in any of our mock drafts. Antonio Brown goes, uh, Dan, take that away.
3: Yeah, uh, again, my guy, he's a wide receiver, two for me. I believe I have him. I know I have him inside the top 24 uh, pulling it up. I actually have him 24 on the dot. So he's my wide receiver, two right there in the back end. Again, just going back to last year, two years removed from football, came in, was the second most targeted receiver on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, was a wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver two then, and now you're going to come in raving about him as what kind of shape he's in and can't. He looks like he has his explosion back, like he had back with Bruce Arians in the Steeler days on top of it, and he mixed him in with Godwin, with Mike Evans. He's going to have one-on-ones. Tom Brady's going to be throwing a ton. Everything just points to Antonio Brown even being better than he was a season ago. Because now he's got, you know, his legs back under him, that and and he's going to fall in line because it's Tom Brady and his team. So to have him as my fourth wide receiver on this roster, yeah, I'm going to be really, really excited about that. And uh, it's going to be actually tough for him to break into my lineup, but I'll be happy to have him anyway.
1: Yeah, uh, great value again. You you've definitely got a lot of of receivers, and it's going to be hard to to pick which ones uh, to put in every week. Uh, Zach Moss up next. I, I wouldn't take him there, but that, that's just me. Uh, Curtis Samuel of Washington, uh, another Houston guy, so we can skip over that. Tyler Boyd's an interesting one because, as Justin's kind of talked about, um, those high, high percentage catch slot guys can have value in half PPR and PPR, and that's to me what Tyler Boyd is going to be. Um, it's just depending on how, how you uh, feel about the Bengals' offensive situation right now. Um, then we've got LaVisca Chenault, who has been one of the most popular guys on fantasy Twitter uh, the last little bit. I haven't completely bought in yet, but is definitely someone with quite a bit of upside. Um, almost the, ant- uh, the opposite of that, Jarvis Landry. Um, another, like Tyler Boyd, high percentage catch. He's going to get 90 catches for 750 yards. Um, PPR nightmare and a nightmare for your roster in pretty much every other format. Um, not not too much more to say there. Dan finally goes and gets a quarterback, and he gets one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL in Ryan Tannehill.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is about where my cutoff was. It's going to be between him and Trevor Lawrence, my last two guys inside of my top 12. Go with Ryan Tannehill. He has the added upside, of course, of adding Julio Jones and what that can mean for this offense. I think this will be a more pass-heavy, not going to be pass-heavy heavy, heavy, but a more pass-heavy offense than it has been under Arthur Smith the past couple of seasons. And I love, you know, A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry makes things so simple for him. And Ryan Tannehill is always a threat at the goal line off of that read option because everybody has to sell out to stop Derrick Henry. I just love his efficiency. He's finished as a top-ten quarterback the past two years in Tennessee Titans. I don't think that's going to stop now with the added weapon. So getting him in the ninth round, I feel pretty good about that. I'll probably snag one more quarterback, but I'm going to feel like I'm going to have a competing QB1 on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, outstanding yeah. value.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Love the value there. Um, he uses his legs, too.
3: Up. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Matt Stafford's next up. Uh, another pretty solid value there. And then after after Chris, we'll get back to is Lawrence. So there's the end of that QB1 tier on those three guys. Uh, and then, Chris, you go get your tight end, and it's Logan Thomas. That's definitely a, a controversial pick. Hold
3: on, Chris. Hold on, Chris. <laughs> I am out on Logan Thomas. I want to hear this one.
2: Okay, so I'm not a huge Logan Thomas fan in general. But having said that, I looked at the board. I didn't love the value of the receiver. I still have, I think it's too easy, too soon to reach on some of these other guys. I didn't love the value at the running back position. To me, Logan Thomas is obviously going to be featured in the system in Washington. Ryan Fitzpatrick does like to throw the ball up the guys. He's definitely the tallest receiver for the Redskins. Um, he got paid accordingly. So I think he's going to be utilized. We've seen great goals to be utilized in the Carolina system. So Scott Turner will continue to utilize the tight end position in Washington. Logan Thomas kind of had his breakout last year. Um, I think he's got a safe floor, hoping for a little more upside. I don't love Logan Thomas overall as a talent, but I think at this value, it's not a bad pick.
3: Logan Thomas or Adam Troutman?
2: Adam Troutman. This year, Logan Thomas right now. Logan Thomas or Janu Smith?
3: That's tough for me.
2: See, I think that's I who still you. Get that's who just took him
3: over. That's my point.
2: Well, I took him over Janu because I'm not going to take Janu this early where I can still get Janu and wait for him.
3: But that's my point. Why I take a tight end at all?
2: Because I think that the other value, the other positions, I think are, are way, way more reaching at that position. Where I think Logan Thomas does have a safe floor. He was a top tight, ten, top ten tight end last year, um, and he was one of the guys that actually has some upside going this year. He's I mean, got yeah, a better I quarterback. Mean, uh,
3: no, I, say, I understand the other positions not necessarily having the value you want in that situation, but I'm I would just I would still take it for depth. I, if I if there's another tight end that I like just as much, I, like Logan Thomas for me, you know, all hands on deck. He's my tight end fifteen. I'm not on this guy at all. I think he's a journeyman player. I think you saw him be featured in the preseason game because there's no Curtis Samuels. I I don't look. I know he got paid. I've seen plenty of guys get paid off of one good season and then completely bomb out. I'm just not on Logan Thomas at all in this team.
2: I think he's got a safe floor. I think like we saw Gusecki be utilized with Fitzpatrick. We've seen Fitzpatrick throw to his tight ends before. I think that to me, like I said, the system and the quarterback play, I think he's got a really safe floor. And I can still pair him with somebody else. All right. You love the no. Dallas and Eagle safeties? No,
3: I don't. Rate, but... uh, yeah, the matchups is what might save you. I, that that part I can't <laughs> refute.
1: So, so after um, the, th- the three quarterbacks and then the, the controversial Logan Thomas pick, James Conner is off the board, and then afterwards I took Gus Edwards. Um, Dan, I'd be curious to hear your take. I personally have uh, Gus Edwards, I don't want to say crazy ahead of James Conner, but it was a, a good 30-35 fantasy point difference. Um, so I-, I-, I definitely I would
3: at- disagree with you on that being that big of a gap. Uh, look, Connor's still gonna get the ball. At, at the end of the day, I love Chase Edmonds. I think he's definitely better. Um, but I think when you look at it, if Connor stays healthy, and that and that can be a big if, but if he were to stay healthy, I think he's gonna want it with more carries, than Gus Edwards going to remember even Gus Edwards. Yes, he gets he gets sprinkled in with J.K. Dobbins, but it's not the 50-50 split that people try to make it out to be. You're talking about maybe ten carries a game. I think Connor's probably looking at at least fourteen. The only way he's not is if Chase Edmonds just blows everybody out of the water and just takes over. So I I think there's similar territory for me, uh, if I could pull him up in front of me. But there's definitely not that wide of a gap for me between a James Conner and a Gus Edwards. Remember, Gus Edwards, there's no chance he's going to catch the ball. Conner can a little bit. And the other thing to go with Gus Edwards, he's not going to score a lot of touchdowns. J.K. Dobbins is in on the goal line. It's not Gus Edwards. Lamar Jackson runs him in. Conner's got a much better chance to score touchdowns this year.
1: I have both of them coming out really low in uh, in touchdowns. That's for sure.
3: I have um, Connor at RB30, and I have Gus Edwards at RB40. Yeah,
4: that's another backfield that I don't want to touch.
3: <laughs> Arizona, or, I mean, because Ravens, I mean, you got to want J.K. Dobbins at the right price.
4: No, a- Arizona. I heard yeah. James Connor. I don't want to touch uh, Arizona or Chase Edmonds or James Connor because to be honest with you, Kyler Murray is going to poach a lot of those touchdowns.
1: Yeah. I think they're both going to have that problem on, in getting touchdowns poached. Yeah. Um, So after that pick, Uh, Joe Burrows off the board, then Kenyon Drake, the supposed uh, receiver for the Raiders. <laughs> um, Higby, who is another controversial tight end, which really a lot of these guys are after that that big five. That's why I went and got... Uh, controversial?
3: That's my tight end like eight, buddy.
1: Yeah, which is yeah. controversial. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I uh, suppose
4: it is. I, I love him
1: because uh, Matt
4: Stafford's coming into town. Matt Stafford targeted... T.J. Hawkinson 101 times last year. I'm I'm totally down with Higby. Last year, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, neither one of them was a big red zone threat receiving-wise. I think he's going to feed Higby in the end zone or in the red zone all the time. I think he could have a Robert Tunyon type year. That's where I'm going with this. If he does, then that's a big win right there. (laughs)
3: And actually, yeah. a lot. I actually have Higby my tight end six. I have him one spot. I have Kyle Pitts. So keep, everybody can... Keep, bumping, on him that. Up, keep right. bumping
4: him up, Dan. Keep bumping him up.
3: Right. For everything Justin just said. For everything Justin just said. Like Tyler Higby, without Gerald Everett, was tight end what, four during that stretch? And yep. you have a better quarterback in a system that still doesn't really have a great third receiver and we'll see who the red zone, but yeah, Stafford and that team that, yeah, I'm all about Tyler Higby as, as a late, as a late guy, uh, this year, especially going to be a sleeper guy for me.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And a receiver. lot of the receivers are slot receivers. So it, it's like you need that big body where, where you need to catch the touchdowns, right? You know, a bigger target always helps. So I think Tyler Higby all the way, I think, I honestly, I think he's going to have a Robert Tunyon type season where he's, he's getting double digit touchdowns.
1: Yeah, Stafford does love his big bodies in the end zone. That oh, yeah. is that is for sure. Um, so after that, you go ahead and pick Corey Davis with the Jets.
4: Yeah, uh, for me, it, it's, it's hard to pass up on the value of having a number one wide receiver that late. And uh, obviously the Jets are going to be throwing the ball because they just got Zach Wilson. So it, it was more of just kind of like a, you know, I wouldn't say it a shot in the dark, but, you know, I know Corey Davis isn't, the the most valuable number one wide receiver but i think these he's got some value to him you know he just came off of i think it was a 65 yard re, or 65 reception year you know he got his money and now i think he's going to prove it prove his worth i don't think he's going to be a long-term guy obviously elijah moore's way more talented than he is and will probably step up in the second year but i think for this year he'll be really good especially for redrafts you know if you can get him this late I think you should take him.
1: Yeah, I don't hate it there at all. Um, and then after that, uh, the guy we kind of just talked about, Tanyan, uh, I expected a little bit of touchdown regression, but nothing crazy. I still like him there. Um, A.J. Dillon, not at all sure why he's here. But, uh, it, you know, I for some reason, there seems to be a lot of people bringing up that Jamal Williams uh, being gone opens up a lot of carries for him they're not the same type of player they're not even remotely close to the same type of player uh, Jamal Williams was someone who was in as a hybrid running back type receiver and AJ Dillon will probably never get more than 20 targets in a, a year in his career um uh, that one to me is just not uh, uh hey you have potentially the most valuable one of the more valuable handcuffs in football but past that it,
3: I, th- I think the question just is, everybody's wondering, will he get the goal line work? And my answer to that is maybe some, but Aaron Jones has been one of the best red zone running backs in the NFL since coming to career, So I can't imagine a scenario where he just takes that role from him entirely. So that's where I'm with you. I think A.J. Dillon is nothing more than a handcuff, but he gets hyped up to be really more than that.
1: Yeah. Well, and honestly, they throw touchdowns in the red zone quite a bit so between aaron jones to and aaron chris's rogers, point i
3: think aaron rogers is going to repeat yeah
1: <laughs> between aaron jones and aaron Rodgers, there's not a lot of room for aj dylan to get many more touchdowns most of the touchdowns are still there it's not like jamal williams was getting a lot of those red zone looks um so then i went i went and grabbed uh Gallup. i i just kind of like his consistency a little bit more than i do some of these next receivers you know um I took two higher upside guys in Samuel and Waddle, so now I'm getting a little bit more conservative with Gallup. Um, but in regards to the week-to-week, I think he's going to be more consistent than I I don't ideally. know how
3: conservative that is. I think that's an awesome pick.
1: Oh, I, yeah. I think it's a great – I obviously think it's a pretty solid pick. It's just he's not someone that's an upside, like, oh, I'm going all in for this guy. It's just I think he's going to get me 12 to 14 points a week, maybe – Closer to 10, but somewhere in that range. Um, whereas Mike Williams may have a three-reception, 100-yard, two-touchdown game, but will do nothing for a couple weeks afterwards. Yeah, uh, So I see a lot of the guys coming out um, that have been picked afterwards uh, up until uh, – I, I don't want to get too far ahead, but you're picked, Dan. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so Chris, you get your own handcuff. Um, I, I guess I skipped over uh, Pittman who is a Colts fan I like, but otherwise uh, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, but, yeah, you get another fantastic handcuff. And, honestly, someone who, uh, unlike A.J. Dillon, has proven to me he can be productive with the starter still there.
2: Yeah, I'm not usually a big fan of getting handcuffs, but, like I said, I looked at the board, and there's a lot of guys right now that are left that I would not big fans of. So I figure lock down, make sure I have the running back position you know, set, so that I have it, you know, if I'm not gonna find that fifth extra guy, then I'm gonna go with a handcuff to make sure that something does happen to Zeke or he doesn't produce like I expect him to I have a guy kind of in waiting. So I I'm not a big fan usually of handcuffed players, but I think the value there, especially what was left on the board, I had to kind of go with it.
1: Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um then Gasicki's up next and then Devin Singletary. We are we are in the backup running back stage of the draft. Uh, Dan.
3: Well, for me, I'm just looking at my roster construction and, you know, I got, again, I got Raheem Mostert, Michael Carter holding down the four at the RB2. I just wanted to get a little extra running back depth because there's still, there's actually a number of receivers on the board that I actually like, probably like a little bit more than Devin Singletary there, but there's going to be a drop-off to where we're about, we're about to get into no value whatsoever, running back territory pretty soon. So I figured, like, all right, let me go with Devin Singletary here. Zach Moss, he's back now. I expect Zach Moss to be given the opportunity to lead the backfield, but... We know he gets hurt a lot. He's already, he already just came back from a hamstring injury. So I know I got a few games where Devin Singletary is probably going to be the lead guy on what should be a pretty high scoring offense. So he should at least accidentally fall into flex territory in those games where that opportunity presents itself, where I might need to plug him in, you know, as an RB to fill in potentially what's going on with my roster.
1: Yeah. I, I definitely cannot blame either. <laughs> it's just a matter of fact that it's a lot more depth at receiver position than than uh, running back, that's for sure. Um Marquise Brown off the board, uh Darnell Mooney, Devontae Parker, that's an interesting one. Uh Ruggs, which is the more interesting one in a less positive way. Uh <laughs> Hardman, again, not the best. I was really hoping Naheem Hines slid around to me. That that was probably not gonna happen, but I could dream right. And then my guy, Elijah Moore, and now your guy, Elijah Moore.
3: <laughs> yeah, I kind of made this pick for you, Adam. Now, I look, I'm at the point here in the draft where I'm just looking for upside. I already have, you know, four really good wide receivers. I'm going to take a guy who everyone's been raving about. He should be back in practice soon. And he, there's a real chance, there's a scenario here where he doesn't just start off the season as the Jets' number two receiver. There's a chance he could overtake Corey Davis, in my book, as the number one targeted receiver on this team later on in the year with his ability to go inside and outside. It's going to depend a little bit on James Crowder's health. It's going to depend a little bit on how LaFleur wants to use him. But I'm going to shoot for upside here, where there was other guys that I could have went with. Marvin Jones, I actually have ranked higher than Elijah Moore in that situation. I actually have a T.Y. Hilton ranked higher than Elijah Moore in that situation. But... When you have you know, good receivers and you just want to take golden tickets here in double-digit rounds, why not? Because Chris and I talked about this. When you get in these rounds, if you have your core, it's ultimately going to wind up being waiver-wired chum anyway. So why not just take shots? If you can hit on two or three golden tickets, you have a championship team.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, then <laughs> the, the Jamal Williams that's come up quite a bit is off the board. And, and then Chris, you, you get your, your tight end, uh, Johnny Smith, who, who, uh, was, there was kind of, wasted that pick there. even more
3: on Logan Thomas.
2: <laughs> no, absolutely not. I think <laughs> that I'm why I, I don't compete with a Darren Waller as a starter or Travis Kelsey as a starter. I have come good options to kind of pair off. I love Janu Smith's talent being utilized properly in new England this year. I'm kind of confused why he's so far down ranked. We saw Aaron Hernandez have very much success in a similar kind of system. Um, I think he's going to be utilized as the primary you know, uh, move tight end, a guy who's going to be utilized a lot in the red zone. Hunter Henry, oh, I'm a big fan of his as well. I think he gets, shows he gets injured quite often. So Janu Smith, to me, is probably going to be the best receiver, quote-unquote, on the Patriots team.
3: I booed you for Logan. I'll cheer you for Janu Smith because, yeah, I'm 100% with you. I don't know why Janu Smith, is that ADP 14 still? It drives me up the wall. MD Nation, you're not listening to us well enough. You should be driving this ADP up. He is going to be the number one pass-targeted player on the Patriots, I don't know what about that concept is eluding everybody, but that's what's going to happen this year. Janu Smith, awesome value here later on. And if I'm if I'm not getting one of these top three tight ends, if I'm not getting a Kelsey, I'm not getting a Kendall, I'm not getting a Darren Waller, Janu Smith, Tyler Higby, Adam Trautman. I'm getting one of those three in the back end of the draft, and I'm going to feel like I have a top five tight end potentially on my roster while I stock up everywhere else. So, yeah, big on Janu Smith. He's going to be the number one pass target on that team. There's no doubt about it.
4: So, I, I, I have one thing to defend MD Nation with, and it's we don't know when Cam Newton is going to walk away from the starting position. And that's probably scares a lot of people away from him because let's face it, Cam doesn't really have the arm anymore. He showed him preseason. He's kind of a very, still a very limited quarterback. He didn't look any different than he did before. And the before was absolutely God awful unless, you know, you were counting on him running and in touchdown. So, I mean, I think that's the one thing that really puts people off about anybody who's a Patriot, you know, receiving wise.
3: I'm so glad that that's the argument you chose to go with, because that's the argument that I've been chewing up and spitting out the entire time when it comes to (laughs) Janu Smith. How far down the field does Janu Smith run in your people's minds? He's not stretching the field. He's not Henry Ruggs. He's not Tyreek Hill. All you got to do is hit this man on five route, uh, five route. uh, What am I thinking of? Drags. And that's all he's got to do. That's exactly what Cam Newton's going to do. All he's got to do is be efficient in the red zone off of play action. That's exactly what Cam Newton's going to do. I actually like Janu Smith more with Cam as a starting quarterback than I would Mac Jones. Mac Jones has the ability to spread it out to everybody. Cam can only hit the middle of the field. That's where Janu Smith's going to operate the entire time. So, yeah, that argument thinking, to me is not on that. But thinking
4: like that, wouldn't you think that defenses would think the same thing and go, hey, we just got to guard this guy?
3: They thought the same thing about you know Ronk and Aaron Hernandez. How well did they get guarded? They didn't have any receivers then either. Uh, we well, how the about How about Greg and Olson Carolina? in Carolina? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, how about Greg Olson in Carolina? They all knew he was going to Greg Olson in Carolina. Couldn't stop that either. It's hard to guard tight ends. Because what happens is that you have to decide they're going to block or they're going to chip off and run their route. And either way, you're not sticking a corner on them. It's going to be a linebacker or a safety. That's usually a mismatch, especially when you're talking about a, a physical phenom in a Janu Smith. It's hard to cover tight ends. It doesn't really matter if defenses know what's coming.
4: Yeah, I oh, that's mean that, that's true. But if, if somebody's uh, triple teamed, it is a little bit harder unless you know how to really read a defense. I don't think Cam knows how to read a defense. If he well, ever did just, anymore, because... It's almost most possible a triple team with tight end. Well, because, yeah,
3: exactly. You don't you don't cloud cover tight ends. It doesn't happen in the league.
4: Well, I mean, shit. I mean, there's nobody else out there, right? What do they got? Jacoby Myers.
3: Okay, I mean, who do I have on my, Here's a good example. Who do I have on my roster right now in this draft at my tight end position? Darren Waller. Is there anybody else in the Raiders that the defense are going to cover? For the past few years, nobody. Has he been covered? No, not at all. It, it's hard to cover those tight ends, even when they're the number one pass catcher. Even when you know where the
4: ball is going, it is, it is. All right, we'll move on. <laughs> 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 we could take up the rest of the time just conversing about this. <laughs>
1: We're trying, trying to get me to go on
4: auto pick right now. Uh,
1: next up, little, little mini run on tight ends with, with Gronk and Irv Smith, um, and then I went ahead and um, went ahead and got Aguilar. Uh, so so if Jonu Smith is the the number one receiver on the Patriots, Aguilar is the number one wide receiver on the Patriots, and kind of uh, to your point, Dan, I think Mac Jones is a starter sooner rather than later, and I think that Nelson Aguilar is a huge beneficiary of that because, Justin, to your point, I think Nelson Aguilar is not going to do a whole lot until Mac Jones is in. Uh, Cam Newton is not someone I trust to get it out to the receivers, but... I don't think he's going to be the starter for that long. Uh, he might come in and and snipe some goal line touchdowns here and there throughout the early to mid season, but I, I think Mac Jones will take the starting job by uh, pretty quick. What's very, week? very very quick based on how Bill Belichick treats rookies. Uh, he's going to, I think, endear himself to Bill enough to start early as a rookie, which is saying quite a bit. Um, after that, Matt Ryan's off the board. Marvin Jones in Jacksonville. And then Rashad Bateman, who is another interesting guy. There's a lot of debate as to who will be that um, wide receiver one in Baltimore, whether it will be Bateman, will it be Watkins. I'm a Bateman guy. I think you guys, uh, Chris and Dan, I think you're both on the Watkins train, or at least indecisive. Um, Yeah, so so Justin, take it away there.
4: Oh, Bateman, easy one. I mean, I'm a a big provider of Sammy Watkins too, but – for Bateman, I think that this team is going to be starving for an alpha. Watkins has never been an alpha. Brown is not an alpha. Brown is somebody who needs to take a script from the Robbie Anderson and Will Fuller play and start running some slant routes and stop running just straight down the field. But um, for Rashad Bateman, if do you guys follow the Twitter feed for uh, the Ravens? Yeah. So they had up there – He. Burned. He was burning Marlon Humphrey and all yeah, pro consistently. Consistently. I mean, I'm at this pick. I don't need him to start. I just need to wait to see him come on the field. I can wait for one week to see how he's doing. If he's having monster games, then I'll just plug him in. Yeah, absolutely. this is an easy one for me. And then Kenneth Gainwell. I like the idea of uh, Miles Sanders being replaced by Kenneth Gainwell because he's one of the only guys that I saw that opted out of a season and actually looks just as good as his like 2019 tape says. I mean, he looked pretty good in the preseason game. I think he ran for 14 yards on uh, two carries and then he got two catches for 16. You know, I, I like the upside with Kenneth Gainwell. He was explosive out of Memphis. He really hasn't had too many injuries, nothing I don't think like serious and Miles Sanders is kind of becoming a problem there. I mean, he's never really lived up to the adage that he's a a really like quality multi-purpose tool as far as a receiving back. So, that's a Kenneth Gainwell was just like he was another, you know, just kind of like a reach pick. But at this point in drafts, you're really just going for your guys.
1: Yeah, I I like it. Both of those are I think uh, high upside guys. And hey, if, if- Their misses, then they can go to the waiver wire. But at least you've got uh, very good lottery picks. I guess what I would say: if if they hit, they're going to hit hard. If not, no hard, no foul at this point in the draft.
4: Dan, I'm surprised you didn't get Troutman.
1: (laughs) I don't need him. I got Waller.
4: (laughs) (laughs) It's good Um, to have another one right on a bye week.
3: Now, see, I treat tight ends and quarterbacks. I treat the same. If I get an elite one, I'm not bothering with taking another one because I'm just going to (laughs) try to maximize my roster later on after that.
4: That's fair enough. That's fair enough. What do you do with the bye weeks then? Just pick somebody it? up.
3: Pick up whatever bum just that everybody stream. else has been having to stream the entire time because you had an elite one. Doesn't mean it's <laughs> just for that one. Just that one week you got to get by. That's the thing. Like, there's Let's no, exactly. unless you have Travis Kelsey, what tight end are you going to bench Darren Waller for? So I'm not going to draft a guy on the idea for one week. Again, like I said, double digit rounds. It's all waiver wire, chump.
4: Yep. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. I mean, I guess you got to have the waivers the to draft Kelsey in the first round, though. <laughs> well yeah,
3: I, and I go back and forth and I can't disagree that his his you know positional value, the, the advantage that he gives you is not worth a first round pick because it is. I just have a hard time getting myself in that mode to draft a tight end in the first round because I know what's going to do to me at running back and wide receiver. I'm gonna be weak on the positions, but as you see here, I took Darren Wall in the third round, still wound up looking for that second running back a little bit later on anyway. So it doesn't really matter, but I know that at that tight end position, I'm, I'm set up and I'm going to probably, I'm going to beat everybody, not named Travis Kelsey basically on a week to week basis.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And I think he even has the potential this year to unseat Travis Kelsey.
3: Maybe, maybe, I don't know, man. I, with, with the, with the chiefs not getting somebody to replace Sammy Watkins and sticking with the abysmal rotation the sprinter Olympic ad that can't catch the ball in the Michael Harmons and the Marcus Robinson's and the Brian Pringles of the world to stay in that number two spot. I think you're going to see another season of a lot of Tyree Kill and a lot of Travis Kelsey, again, putting up wide receiver one level numbers.
4: Well, I mean, supposedly they're trying to get a uh, CH really involved in the passing game, which I think is going to be like clutch, especially with that new line that they've got. Holy shoot. They got a bunch of maulers on that line. Joe Tooney. They got Orlando Brown Jr. They got the the center from uh, the L.A. Rams, Austin Blythe, all run-centric offenses.
3: Yeah, and, and they should get him more involved. It's just one of those things where I'll believe it when I see it. I know Andy Reid wants to throw the ball all the time. Patrick Mahomes won't check down. He's got the can He's got the arm. And I would go the other way with that offensive line giving him extra time that he didn't have last season. He might go down the field even more often. So that, that's kind of the, the ultimate fight words. Are you going to make more planned screens to force the ball out of your hand to Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Because off the cuff, I don't know how consistently that happens throughout the year.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, that's definitely a big mystery around this season. A lot of people that are voting for CEH, uh, me included, are kind of hoping for the upside of that new line, kind of benefiting him a little bit more and maybe taking a little bit of the strain off of Patrick Mahomes. But like you said, Andy Reid is a uh, throw-first Coach, so you know we never also know. A great screen caller. He is a
3: great screen caller. We got to see he him is. do it. He hasn't done it consistently since really since his Philly days. I feel like, um, well, it's he here and there. Justin, for you, for Clyde edwards lair the thing that I would be looking <laughs> forward to the most, as far as what my hopes would be upside-wise, be can that offensive line make Clyde edwards lair a good goal line back? Because he's not one on his own. Can they make him a good goal line back? He's not one on his own. Chris is rolling his eyes because it's my argument why I don't think Clarys <laughs> is an RB one. But that's that's going to be the key of the upside if they can make him a good goal line back. Then sky's the limit. But otherwise, on his own, that's the thing that I'd be most worried about. I don't yeah, think he's I, ever going to be a, a double-digit touchdown producer.
4: I wouldn't see why not. I mean, like I said, they they specifically went after. I think it was three offenses that ran the ball the most: the Patriots, the Ravens, and the Rams to get significant players off of that line. And they were all starters last year. So, I mean, I would not see why Sky is not the limit for Clyde Edwards. (coughs) Like I said, I think he's going to – if he doesn't get double digits uh, in rushing touchdowns, it'll be made up in receiving touchdowns.
3: Let me pick, Adam.
1: Okay.
3: (laughs) Paul's in the draft (laughs) on me and stuff. I'm trying to make picks over here. All
1: right. so, So, after that Gainwell pick, I'll just kind of zoom through this pretty quick. Uh, Tampa Bay defense is the, I believe the first defense to go can't dispute that too, too hard. Uh, They've got a freakish amount of talent, both sides of the ball. We'll kind of dispute Russell gauge here. I mean, we're late enough that I don't, I'm not going to bash it. too. I would just,
3: I, I I'm not going to argue with that down here.
1: Yeah. Down here. I'm not going to like really get into it. I wouldn't pick it. I just don't think it's worth a pick. Um, He's to me. And I think we will agree on this. I think he's going to get a decent amount of targets, a healthy amount of targets. I think they're all going to be very worthless targets because he's never going to get in the end zone. And he's never, I don't even really love his catch percent. Like I, I think we'll get targeted because he's that second (coughs) receiver. But in reality, I have the tight ends really being the receivers two and three.
3: I'm a little curious to see what the split between him and Zacchaeus Wiley really winds up being. Yeah. Z- Zacchaeus can go down the field and do some other things that Russell Gage can't. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. Either way, to your point, I mean, if you really want the second receiver to Atlanta, that's something you could pick up off the waiver wire.
1: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, so after that, I get with Habeas Murray, that's more of a roster construction thing, pretty similar to uh, why Dan went to the Is he going to make
4: period. the final roster, Adam? That's what I was going to say. Is he going to make it? Yeah,
3: they had that story come out today. <laughs> yeah.
4: He's getting yeah. too old, bud. He's getting too old.
1: I don't know. I mean, at this point, I like if he does make the roster, I like his value more than anyone except maybe Lindsey. Madison's a handcuff. Hubbard's a handcuff. McKissick, I mean, you're just banking on Antonio Gibson not having improved. Uh, Coleman, I'm just not seeing it. Uh, and then Penny, I guess. It's just I need another running back and – they're all not great
3: down here. To I'll say this that story that came out earlier today. They were quick to also say Devonta Freeman was also bad. And if they're going to stick with one of these guys, because one of them is probably going to get cut. If they're going to stick with one of them. It's still definitely leaning towards Latavius Murray, but it was just kind of a story of like, they're, it's kind of a positional four, value. Four
2: and a half yeah. million dollars reasons why.
3: Right. Yeah. And Devonta yeah. Freeman working off that, you know, that one year deal. So it'll
0: be Latavius Murray. It was just kind of a,